Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Norman Thomas. These teachings are designed to empower you to live a higher quality of life. Take a few minutes to receive a deposit of godly wisdom for your day. Challenge yourself. Okay, so why is this not what that means? Freely given. Let's go to Psalms 34 and 10. The young lions do lack, and they suffer hunger. But they that seek the Lord shall not want what? Any good thing. thing. They that seek the Lord. Now y'all too cold now, huh? Let me check with Dr. Debbie. You cold? Cold? Okay. So, can we do some of my wife cold? Okay. Let's, let's, let's get in the middle somewhere, Brother Alvin. Thank you, sir. <laughs> they that seek the Lord, that is the key. They that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Is health a good thing? Yes. Is peace a good thing? Yes. Is a new car a good thing? Yes. How about a new house? Is that a good thing? Yes. How about some clothes? Is that a good thing? Yes. How about mental health? Is that a good thing? Yes. Well, it says they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. We've learned the word want by definition, biblical definition, it means lack. It means lack. So what we said we would stop saying is, I want this, I want that, because when we say it, we're saying, I lack this, I lack, I just want a vacation. I lack a vacation is what you're saying. We said that we would change the word want to desire. No, that's not it. We said we would change, what is it? Receive. Receive. We would change the word want to receive. I receive a vacation. I receive a wife. I receive a husband. I receive children. I receive a new job. I receive a promotion. I receive my own business. I receive good employees. I receive these things. That's what we want to do. It's get over to receiving. Why do we receive and not want? You receive something that's been provided. You want something that's not yet provided. So when we say we want, we're saying it's not yet been provided. But when we say receive, we are a recipient of something that has already been released for our benefit. Amen? So say, I receive receive. every good thing thing. because I will seek the Lord. Lord. Now, what does it mean to seek the Lord? Okay, all that. But let me put it in basic terms. Start talking to God about your business. 
Start consulting God about your day-to-day affairs. Stop acting like you got it all figured out. Stop being so smart and yield to your Father for guidance and direction and instruction. I know you're smart. I know, I know you got it together. And I know you're intelligent and you got your degrees and all that and, and your expertise and your skill sets and you're good at this and you're good at that. But none of that should ever prevent you from seeking the Lord. Why would you ever get married without seeking the Lord? Why would you ever take a job without seeking the Lord? Why would you ever move to another city without seeking the Lord? He says, it's going to be they that seek the Lord that will not want. So if we turn it around, it's going to be those that do not seek the Lord that will continue to be in want. That will continue to lack good things. Good things. And a good thing is a thing that you need or desire. And God wants you to have every good thing and all good things. There's another scripture in Psalms I have there. If you would put that up for me. It's the one before this, I think. Look at this. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that seek the Lord. From them that walk uprightly. It means the same thing. From them that seek the Lord, he will not hold any good thing from you if you seek him. Are you seeking him? Are you seeking the Lord? Are you talking to him? So we receive all things, everything, anything that helps us to reach our destiny. Now, one of the things that we've done, we've restricted ourselves to the natural realm. There's a ceiling, a glass ceiling. There's a glass ceiling. Beneath the glass ceiling is natural operations. Above the glass ceiling is spiritual operations. Above the glass ceiling is what we refer to as the impossible. This is just impossible. Below the glass ceiling is everything that we can reason, intellectually process, and digest, and manage tangibly. I can do it. I can handle it. I figure it out. All that's beneath the glass ceiling or below the line. But above the glass ceiling is opportunity. Above that glass ceiling, there is a space that is represented by the consciousness of God towards you. God has a conscious toward you. He has an idea for you. He has He has his own perspective of you, but all of his perspective of you is above the glass ceiling. It's not below the ceiling. It's all above the glass ceiling. The problem is that we've been trained from the day we were born to live below the glass ceiling and to live separated from the consciousness of God toward you. God has a conscious idea about you and what you're supposed to look like and what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to operate and manage life. But it's above the glass ceiling. But you've been trained to live below the glass ceiling. And you've been trained to see and to think that everything above the glass ceiling is impossible. Or 
not attainable or outside of your reach or a fantasy or a daydream. It would be nice, meaning I'll never experience it. But it would be nice to live in a house like that. It would be nice to go on a vacation like that. It would be nice to see this or that, whatever the case may be, whatever it is, you, put, you fill in the blank. Well, in God's view, above that glass ceiling is his reality for you. That's his reality for you. And he is endeavoring to penetrate that ceiling with an impartation of his thoughts and his ideas into your heart that will allow that ceiling to break and become a part of your consciousness as well. But it's above the glass ceiling. Now, one of the things that limits us and makes that ceiling so impenetrable, there's several things, several, several things, but one thing is the concept of time. The concept of time. We have allowed time to dictate to us the terms of what's possible and what's not. We have integrated our life with time. We've integrated our ideas and our philosophy with time. Time has become the master of most people. And it was never intended by God for that to ever happen. Now I want to show you why that, and I'm going to make the statement, you were never meant to serve time. Time was meant to serve you. And if you're ever going to penetrate that glass ceiling, you're going to have to put time in its proper place so that it doesn't subconsciously override your ability to enter into that life and that design that God has planned for you. But as long as you see time as a barrier or a taskmaster, you'll never experience God's plan for your life. Okay? Ever heard things like, I'm running out of time? Okay? Or it's too late. Or it's not time yet. Okay? So let's just use just the, this first real familiar example to just kind of break into this because I've, I've used it. I may have talked about it last week. I can't remember. I've preached so many different places in a week. I don't know. But if you heard this last week, just raise your hand and remind me. Don't mean I'm going to stop. I just, just want to know where I said it last. <laughs> Everybody know about the wedding, right? Where Jesus was invited to the wedding? Did I say that last week? I saw a couple of hands, but all right, it don't matter no way. Okay, so, so, okay, so whose wedding was this? We don't know. So, but we know it was not Jesus' wedding, and it was not Mary's wedding, right? So, what was Jesus' role at this wedding? He was a guest. What was Mary's role at this wedding? She was a guest. 
Everybody say, they were guests. And so while being a guest at this wedding, Mary recognizes that they ran out of wine. Hmm, they're out of wine. Let me go talk to Jesus. <laughs> so she goes over and she talks to Jesus. Uh, Jesus, they just ran out of wine. Now, Jesus like, why are you doing this? You know it's not my time to start performing miracles. Now, why did Jesus tell her it was not his time? How did he know it wasn't his time? He was under strict orders of obedience to who? The Father. Remember later on he says, everything I do, I, the Father tells me to do it. Everything I say, the Father tells me to say. So he knew it wasn't time because he hadn't received the instruction to begin doing miracles from the Father. The Heavenly Father. God. And here come Mary. <laughs> Earthly Mama. Saying, come on, come on, Jesus. You, you, let's get started. Let's do this. And he says, it's not my time. So now, what did she do when he gave her that answer? There is no record that she kept talking to him. But there's records she started talking to the servants. So here's what I see. Okay. She leave him and go over to the servants and said, now, in just a minute, Jesus is going to come over here and give y'all some instruction. Okay. And whatever he tells you to do, just do it. Okay. Then what did she do after that? She went back to the wedding. Now, in my mind, she went back saying, listen, we, we, gonna bring, we got some more wine coming. What's that called? Faith. Everybody say faith. faith. That's called faith. So what does that tell you about time and its relationship to faith? That faith supersedes time. Okay? That time must bow its knee to the force of faith. So obviously Mary tapped heaven and triggered a response to Jesus because when she left the Bible says the next thing Jesus said he went over there and he says, see y'all fill those water pots over there. It's like, I thought you said it wasn't your time if I was one of the servants. You just told your mama it wasn't your time. Now you want us to feel, I wouldn't have done that, but I'm just saying, you know, I'm just kind of creating a movie script in my mind. But he responded not to Mary, 
He responded to God. Mary's faith triggered a sequence of events that released the supernatural in a different time dimension. It moved time. It shifted time. And Jesus said, the Bible tells us in Mark eleven twenty two, have faith in God. But here's what, this, here's what the original manuscripts say. It says, have the God kind of faith. Okay? And another, one translation says it this way, have the faith of God. Not your faith, but his faith. Have the faith of God. So the same faith that worked for Mary works for you because the Bible tells us, let's put up Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, please. The Bible tells us that it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Verse 3, it says, for I say uh, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, he's talking to believers there at Rome, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to who? Every man, the what? So everybody has what? The measure of faith. See, it would not be right for God to say to you, the just shall live by faith and not give you the measure of faith. So the moment you're born again, you have the same measure of faith Jesus had. The same measure. And there are people praying for more faith. You, there's no more to give you. You don't need any more faith. All you need to do is to develop the measure that he gave you. If you develop the measure of faith that he's given you, it will do everything that needs to be done. Come on, let's give the Lord praise for the word. So, now let me, let me, let me establish this even again. Go to Genesis chapter 1. In verse 3. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3. The, the original documents say, manuscript says, light in me, be. Okay, next verse. And God saw what he said that was in him, which he couldn't see prior. But after he said it, then he saw it. You're supposed to speak in C2. He saw the light and that it was good, and God divided the light from what? Darkness. The darkness. Next verse. And he called the light what? Day. And the darkness he called what? Night. And then he put in the evening and the morning. And what do we have? Time was just created. The first day. Now go to verse 14. And God says, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs. Let them be for seasons. Let them be for days. Let them be for years. Next verse. And let them be for lights in the sky, the firmament of the heaven, to give light upon the earth, and it was so. Next verse. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. What we call that? And then he made the stars also. 
For more information and more extended teachings from Dr. Thomas, visit normanthomas.org.